This is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined by my host and friends, Brad and John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And fellas, we had a uh, very, very slow Sunday with literally no Texans football. Uh, I guess I'll just open it up for discussion. I mean, John, what game did you watch yesterday? Or I'm sure you watched more than one, but what game specifically uh, were you excited to watch and, and that you did watch? I watched the uh, the uh, Patriots and the Titans. Um, I kind of I didn't watch it live. I had to watch it after the fact, and then I watched the Eagles and the Cowboys. And Brad, I watched Hanson's Red Zone channel most of the day. Um, caught some of the Eagles, Eagles Cowboys uh, for the most part. You know, I, I think the Titans at Patriots was the big upset of the day, and then seeing Tom Brady fall on his face uh, one yard short of the first down uh, was probably the big play of the day. Yeah, I'm a, maybe I'm I guess I'm the only one, but I watched the entire Arizona Kansas City game because. I am preparing for a Kansas City match in the playoffs. And yes, I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, I, I, I truly think that that's who will end up playing at some point. And uh, yesterday they looked human against a above average Arizona defense. So it was uh, it was a really good game to watch. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I spent it. And then I, I ended up watching the last half of the Cowboys game, which I regret watching, but the uh, Cowboys won. Uh, Philly is not scaring at me at all, um, but it will change once Golden Tate is fully impl- implemented into that offense. So, uh, but it was a nice weekend not having Texans football, no heart attacks. Uh, it was just kind of an easy weekend. I got to be a dad for a full weekend for the first time during a football season, which was awesome. Um, and yeah, we, we we didn't do anything. It was great. So. Let's get into what people are here for, though, and they are not here for the other league or the other teams in the league. They are here for the Houston Texans, AFC South leading Houston Texans, and uh, the bye week blues are past us. We are now into another week of football, uh, and man, like right out the gate last week, right after we got done recording, boom, Tyler Irvin cut, and... I, uh, I don't know about you guys, but that was a shock to me. Uh, I think there's a lot of different factors. But, John, I'll go to you. Uh, we had lunch. and we, we talked about it a little bit. But, I mean, what was your initial reaction and, and where are you at now? My initial reaction was, of course, like devastation. He's always been one of those guys that I really wanted to succeed. I liked the role that he was capable of playing. The... Jarek McKinnon, Darren Sproles, Shane Vereen, even Kevin Falk type role, the receiving running back that can run routes, split out to a slot receiver. And then he just never materializes that. We use him a lot on special teams, but he never really got a chance to run with the offense. And then I think it's come out since that a big part of the reason was he just lost his burst. Um, He's just not recovering from the patella knee. So, I mean, I guess that's where we're at. And it's a shame because I really did think that he could be something else, but it's just not going to happen. The biggest problem I have is coming back from an injury like that. 
given the position he plays. I think that the speed can come back. I just think it's going to take more time. I think it would take more time than this season. And I think we gave up on a player just a little too soon, especially considering that given he didn't have the quick burst that we come to expect from Tyler Irvin or that we've, we've somewhat seen, he was still an above average kickoff and punt returner. And it it just didn't make much sense. And then when you talk about filling the void of, of Kiki QT, you know, against the, the Dolphins, he looked like he filled that role pretty well. So I can only imagine what the offense would actually look like if he was in the uh, implemented fully into the offense to be able to uh, see what he's capable of. But it was uh, it was definitely a shocker. I don't like I don't like it. I, I thought it was a bad move. I think he was just another player in Bill O'Brien's doghouse. That's just my opinion. I, I, there's nothing supporting that fact. And honestly, I don't think there's anything supporting the fact that. Uh, his burst isn't there. I think that's all pure speculation. We haven't heard any of that from the Texans. It's just based off of uh, one particular Twitter uh, handle that uh, that thinks that he knows everything about the Texans. But uh, Brad, I mean, what were you, let's get your thoughts here. I mean, with Tyler Irvin being gone now, I mean, were were you shocked? Is it is it something you expected? I mean, if he was going to be on the fifty three man roster at the beginning of the season, why why make that decision now? Um, I, I really do think it came down to the fact that they saw something in DeAndre Carter much more than they were unhappy with something Tyler Urban was doing. I do think Tyler Urban lost a step and hasn't fully recovered. Um, and they're looking for someone, I think, on special teams that can contribute right now. And uh, Tyler Urban has just shown that he doesn't really have the burst. Uh, DeAndre Carter obviously doesn't have a whole lot to go. I think it's 238 total yards across uh, receiving kicks, punts, and receptions. But uh, I think they're, they're looking for something just more dynamic. I don't think they're bringing in Don, DeAndre Carter to be involved in the receiving game. I think they really fully expect Kiki to be back um, just because we know how, how long it takes for people to get up to speed with this offense. Um, so I, I truthfully think that this was more of a special teams change than an actual trying to get him involved with the offense. And again, like we've touched on this last week. I think the tight ends are going to be crucial down the stretch, and I think maybe this is just Bob kind of signaling that uh, he realizes that. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's funny. Everybody's been talking about DeAndre Carter's uh, stats. And those stats, if I remember correctly, are preseason stats. Am, am I wrong? Uh, he did have some some yards. I, I just grabbed his stats earlier today. But, I mean, they weren't that much. He had 10 kick returns, 10 punt returns, um, and two receptions. You know, that's all, that's all he has. So Most of his success came in the preseason for Philadelphia. And when you have success in this on the special teams in the preseason, um, that doesn't mean much to me considering the fact that teams are still trying to figure out what their special teams look like. They're definitely trying to figure out who their special teams players are. Um, a lot of those guys are who's going to make the back end of the 53 man roster. So I put little weight into what DeAndre Carter actually did. Now, if he comes out Sunday and just looks like this guy, like fantastic, that's awesome. I'll take it. But um, I think I'd rather go with the known than the unknown this late in the uh, this late in the season. And and uh, I, I, I don't know. I just I still don't like the move. But I'm also a big Tyler Urban fan. I, I had him making the 53 over John. Um, but I, I don't know, I guess we'll see. Go ahead, John. I see your hand is raised. Yeah. I'm feeling a little ignored over here. Um, Bill O'Brien for, he actually was quoted as saying that Tyler was a great guy, very coachable guy. We try to make the best, we try to make decisions in the best interest of the team. And we felt like this was a good move for us right now. Just like everything else, you never know. 
Uh, I think it goes back to a little bit more of roster space. It looks like Foreman, they're going to have to start using his 21-day, not start, they have to use this 21-day window. And with him coming back, they just ran out of room for running backs, and they really just needed another receiver. And that's pretty much what it came down to. Irvin was getting used as a receiver instead of a running back, so he might as well actually go out and get a receiver to do some of those things, and maybe with a little bit more success than Irvin. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Brad, go ahead. You had something else? Yeah, so I, I just think uh, I'm wondering if Brad Seeley had a, a say in this, um, you know, because I think there has been a tremendous improvement in special teams. We Again, we discussed that last week. Um, and I think maybe they're just looking for more out of the, out of the return game, um, you know, to hopefully set themselves apart. Because they know down the stretch they're going to have to, It's you know, especially in the playoffs, sometimes it's field position battles and, you know, getting 15 to 20 on a return versus five or three or negative five is, uh, is super important. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree completely. I mean, we'll see. Look, it's unknown, completely unknown what we're going to get out of this player. And uh, just based on NFL facts, like when you're on multiple teams and, uh, you know, two years in the league, like typically there's a reason. So but there are also, you know, some cases where players bounce around and finally they find a place where they're comfortable and where they can be themselves and and, uh, they tend to they tend to succeed. So I'm totally, totally down for that. If he comes in and makes an impact. All right, let's get into players coming in off of injury. Um, obviously the spy week, we talked about it last week. It comes at the right time. Um, we had a lot of, a lot of players banged up. We needed uh, a lot of players to get healthy. And luckily for us, you know, two of those players are, are in the secondary with Jonathan Joseph and Aaron Colvin. Uh, potentially back this week. Zach Cunningham coming back. Um, who else is coming back? God, I'm totally missing a couple here. Um, Zach Cunningham, Jonathan Joseph, Aaron Colvin. That's it, right, guys? Yeah, I don't think there's any been formal announcements really about anybody else. Um, I know we're still kind of hear, trying to hear about Cole um, and um, who else may be coming off the IR. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's it's it came at the perfect time. It's exactly what we needed. I mean, John, looking at looking at this bye week coming at the time it did, uh, you know, we we talked about it being perfect. The timing was perfect. This is where you want to have a bye is towards the end of this, or you know, right in the middle of the season, so people can get healthy. But um, I mean, Colvin and Joseph coming back is just going to be a true blessing. I mean, John, I'll let you kind of get to it, but. Um, it's definitely going to help this defense. I mean, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Colvin was performing very well before he got hurt. And then Jonathan Joseph, for the past couple of games, looked like he discovered the uh, Fountain of Youth before, um, you know, getting rolled up on by Clowney, of all people. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, this this defense is is already really, really strong, um, especially the secondary and the safeties, uh, you know, and I think Cunningham coming back in the center to, to become the tackle machine that we've all known to expect the defense can only get better. I mean, none of these guys, I mean, all of these guys are going to improve the quality of defense, not, not hamper it. Um, you know, we, we've had the discussion last week about, you know, KJ maybe coming off, coming off the IR, who knows how that would pan out, but all these guys, I think are surefire, uh, improvements. Yeah. I think the biggest thing coming back is really Zach Cunningham. We're missing him right now. We saw, you know, last week with Brian Peters basically struggling in in coverage, you know, the former safety converted the linebacker, but, um, it's just, it, it doesn't, there, there's really not, a, I mean, I know the secondary needs it, but when you have four safeties that can play corner, we've talked about that week over week, but Zach Cunningham coming back is going to be a big part. Has it been confirmed that 
Dylan Cole had a had knee surgery. No, it hasn't. It's pure speculation. I've seen it on Twitter floated around, but I have not seen one confirmation that that's the case. Um, the only thing I do know is that he did have a, I think, a broken wrist. Um, and about three weeks ago, he was still seen with a cast on his hand walking around the locker room. So um, I know a lot of people are saying that he's like the surefire comeback from IR, but I, I don't necessarily know if that's the case. He can play with the broken wrist. He wouldn't be the first player to do it. I would be more concerned if he actually had a knee knee procedure. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think he had. I don't think he had a knee procedure. Um, I, I'm not sure where that even started. Uh, just because typically when you have something like that, it, it typically gets out. So I don't really know where that came from or who on Twitter started that. But uh, to me, I, I don't know. I think if he had a knee surgery, or even if it was a cleanup like an Arthur, like a, like Clowney had in the off season. Uh, I, I definitely think this would be talked about a little bit more. So uh, I'm not putting too much weight into the actual knee, um, the actual knee having like some sort of cleanup procedure done. I, I think it's just his wrist. I think they're just being cautious. And um, I, I pretty much think that's all it boils down to. So um, let's, let's get into the big part though. This is the part where, especially with where we're at in the season, uh, players potentially coming back from the IR, uh, there's definitely a couple names out there. One we just talked about with Dylan Cole. Um, and then the other one being Kevin Johnson. And is, I mean, those are the only two on IR and we can bring two back, correct? Because, yeah, because Deontay Foreman's, on, or we've already exercised his 21-day practice window. He was on the PUP list. So there's only two players that could potentially come back. I, I think that both of them come. Oh, Kayvon Webster, Kayvon Webster, Kayvon, Kayvon Webster could potentially come back too. Um, and his was a groin injury. So maybe that's the case. But John, if you were looking for those, for the players to come back off of IR, uh, obviously we know Dylan Cole is one of them, but out of the other two, Kayvon Webster and Kevin Johnson, I mean, when we're talking about making an immediate impact on this team, uh, who is your go-to right now for the, for the corner position? I mean, just even throw out how Kevin Johnson was playing beforehand, I would think there would be less risk bringing somebody back with a soft tissue injury than somebody that's had concussion issues. You just never know when the next concussion is going to happen. Yeah, I also think the fact that like with Kayvon Webster, considering the deal that we signed him to, um, you know, we got him on a on a pretty much a, a bargain deal because of he was uh, his injury he was coming off of. Uh, I've kind of changed my stance from uh, activating Kevin Johnson. And I, I think Kayvon Webster would be the best choice because if we can get him back and get him up to speed again, I think we have the potential of signing him on a cheaper long-term deal if he can stay healthy the rest of the season and show flashes of what he can be like he did last year with the Rams. I think he would make uh, uh, he, he could potentially make a bigger impact. Brad, uh, for you, I mean, who's, who are the two must-have back from the IR? And I think, you know, Cole is what we all hope um, just because, you know, the linebacking core needs the, needs all the help it can get. Um, Cunningham's coming back from an injury. You know, what hap- we have no depth really besides Cunningham and McKinney really there that uh, we can count on, especially in a playoff scenario. Uh, so I think Cole obviously is the top. And then between Webster and um, Kevin Johnson, you know, like, like we kind of discussed last week, I just don't know how Kevin Johnson is going to learn how to tackle when the, you know, during on IR. Um, so, you know, I think him, the possibility of him getting another concussion is, is, uh, really high. Um, and then Kayvon Webster, you know, he's playing for his life, 
Um, you know, so I, you know, he is at the last year, a, a very, a very conservative deal that the Texans got him on. Um, so I think he would just play at a higher level, uh, play with more to lose, uh, where Kevin Johnson, you know, we have the entire OTAs and off season to get one more look at him, you know, and if he doesn't work out by the time you get through camp, then you can just, uh, cut your losses. But I think at this point, uh, Webster would be my guy, you know, brain, brain trauma is not something you typically just mess around with and, and, and just kind of get back from especially given how many concussions Kevin Johnson has had on top of the concussions, the injuries he's had. Um, I don't ever want to tell somebody when it's time to walk away from the game or, or hang them up. But at this point in his career, it's definitely gotten to a point to where there's a lot of risk involved. And I just don't know if it's the best case for him, but only person that knows that is, is him. And, I think Kayvon Webster would probably be a better choice at this point. I, I'd hate to lose the investment of the first round pick in Kevin Johnson, but at the end of the day, like things like this happen and there's not much you can do. So yeah, I would have to go with Kayvon Webster as well. I mean, with Kevin Johnson, it's just that sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, we used a first round pick, but I mean, he's, I hate to say it, but he is a bust. I mean, between injuries and just, performance he has not been the player that we thought he would be so we only signed Kayvon Webster to a one-year deal he makes more sense he already last year he played pretty well uh prior to the Achilles and he's cheaper so I I just can't see any reason why we wouldn't bring back Kayvon over Kevin Johnson unless Kevin Johnson's just a lot healthier than Kayvon Webster yeah I think I think it's funny you bring that up, you know, first round bust, um, because it kind of brings up a conversation in my mind, like what truly defines a a first round bust? Does does health play a factor in determining if a player is a bust or is it all performance based? I think for me, my definition of a first round bust would have to be performance because there's not really much you can do with injuries you know there there we've seen it millions of times where a fluke injury will derail a person's career um and so i i guess what i'm wondering is is kevin johnson a first round bust or is he a a young player who just could not stay healthy well ultimately they tie together uh, health plays into performance if you can't stay healthy you cannot perform yeah i guess you know when you put it like that there's really there's really no argument um i i I would have to agree go ahead brad yeah and i think with kevin johnson a lot of it's just self-inflicted wounds right he just doesn't have great tackle form and he's throwing his body around like he's built like he can and he's just uh he doesn't have the weight to do that and uh so i think he you know a lot of his injuries could have been avoided yeah, I, I think a lot of a lot of his injuries did come. They were somewhat self-inflicted with the sense of how he tackled um, and things like that. Uh, but I don't know. I, I just you hate to see it, right? Like because like we are emotionally tied to this team. So like when I say you invested a first round pick, like yeah, technically we you know we did invest a first round pick. But I think part of me in my mind, what the part that really bothers me is just the fact that we want to see him succeed. We want to see him on the Texans. We want him to be the player that we selected him to be. And, you know, we, we did pick him in the first round. So it's like, you know, you expect players in the first round to um, reach certain expectations. And, you know, when they don't, it's very, very 
I don't know. It's disappointing. Yeah. And, you know, Kevin Johnson's a great kid and he comes from a great family, um, you know, and I think he has his future ahead of him. Um, I, I would hope that he puts his health over over football, uh, but we still he, he's not a lost cause yet. I still hope that he takes the offseason um, and he comes back to camp and just uh, changes all of our minds. You know, Kareem Jackson struggled his first couple of years, not quite to this level because he didn't suffer the injuries, but he still struggled and he was able to, uh, you know, reinvent his career a couple of times over now at this point. So um, I wish the kid nothing but the best. And I hope he is in a Texas uniform next year, but I completely understand if they move on. Yeah, I agree what you said. And I actually was going to bring up Kareem Jackson because it's kind of funny how our, um, our expectation of first round picks have kind of changed. Kareem Jackson was considered a first round bust for a long time. And he's been a consistent, if not always, if not always solid starter, he's consistently played. And now, of course, he's having a end of career renaissance. But for a couple of years ago, we were just happy he was on the field. I mean, everybody always wanted to upgrade from him, but he was just out there. It, it, it's hard for me because, like Brad said, he is a good kid. He definitely has a great personality. Like He's a very funny guy, very entertaining. And you, like I said, you don't want to see a player, especially that young, walk away from the game. We saw it with C.J. Fedorowicz, um, not last year, but the year before. And, uh, you know, it's just like, God, another one. But at, at the end of the day, like when you play a sport as violent as football, these things are going to happen and you just kind of have to wash your hands and kind of move forward. So uh, let's get into the topic that I think most fans are probably excited about. Um, And that would be the 21 day window for Deontay Foreman. Um, Obviously with what we saw from Deontay last year uh, in in the time that he played, uh, he was hands down the best running back on this team. And, I think that the Texans are handling this entire situation perfectly. You have time to give him to get ready. You didn't rush him back. We dealt with who we had at running back. And now it's like, okay, we're, we're almost on a full year of, of you have, you know, getting injured. Now it's like, okay, you have 21 days to get into football shape, get ready to go and hit the ground running. And with an Achilles tear, especially for the running back position, it's a very hard injury to bounce back from. And you want to give them the proper amount of time to be able to get back to form. And I know a lot of Texans fans are uh, frustrated with the run game. They want Deontay Foreman back. Uh, they expect him to make the impact that we, you know, that we saw last year, potentially taking on more of a lead role back or lead back role. And I, honestly, I, I want the same thing. But I think the way that the Texans are actually handling this is exactly perfect. Give him the time. Don't rush him back. Let him drop the weight that he's probably put on because he hasn't been as active. And let's let him get back up to game speed. We'll break him in a little bit, you know, here and there, but let's let's give him the proper amount of time to be able to come back fully healthy and get some snaps and make the impact that we need. Uh, John, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement. Uh, the problem with the Achilles injury is very similar to Jadavian Clowney and the uh, microfracture surgery. Previous, previously, there hasn't been a lot of success coming back from it is because you can't put any weight. So you have you have you have atrophy. Um, that's 
what happened with JD. That's probably what's going to happen with Foreman. He may come back, but remember his big calling card was his, he was a size speed freak. There's no way he's going to be as fast as he was. Next year he might be, but just coming back this year, I, it's not going to happen. But hopefully he goes out there and he's still productive and he's still something. And he's still a, just on instincts alone, he would hopefully be an improvement from what we've got. Don't expect him to be an all-world changing running back. Yeah, Brad, what are your thoughts on on uh, Deontay Foreman? Yeah, it's kind of it's you know kind of tough to look back. It hasn't been a year yet. It was November nineteenth that he tore his that he that he you know that he had the injury, and that's just the fact that he's even we're even mentioning him coming back is probably a testament to you know the, the strength and conditioning coaches the Texans have, um, and I think he also has a really great support group. You know. Um, Austin's just down the road and I know that they, they take care of their own and I'm sure that they've had lots of people reach out to him and try to help him anywhere they could. Um, the kids, the kids so tough. I, I would never count him out. He has, if you guys haven't looked up his story and the things that he's gone through um, like, I don't think, I don't think this is any sweat off his back, but I do agree that, you know, it hasn't even been a year. It'll be a year next week. I think, you know, a week, uh, you kind of touched on this last week, uh, Ari, young Ari gold that, uh, you know, Week 15, 16, even if they do bring him back, I don't think we're really going to even see him uh, in a game until late in the season because it is it is one of those things. We need him in a really crucial point. And I think for the next three or four games, which we'll get to uh, down this uh, podcast, that it's just not really crucial for him to be back right now. Like you said, I think the Texans are doing it perfectly. Um, they want him there in January. They don't need, really need him right here in, uh, in November. Yep. No, I agree. I think when it comes to... When it comes to the position and when it comes to the 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 um, injury, when you put those two together, um, it just makes it a specific case where you have to be very cautious. And to be honest with you, if if Deontay Foreman doesn't take another doesn't take a snap the rest of the year, um, as much as I think that that would suck, um, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset with it. The long term health of Deontay Foreman is what I'm looking forward to, and if we're giving him the right amount of time and we're trusting him to put in the work to get back, then I think next year is probably a better timetable for him. I've said that since he got hurt last year. I said it in the off season, I said it at the beginning of the season. Uh, I Maybe, 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 maybe like week 16, week 17, maybe just playoffs. I'm honestly not too sure what the proper, you know, uh, you know, a lot of time would be, but, I think when it comes to him and what we want from him, we need to just keep being patient and let him and let him come back when he's a hundred percent healthy so that he does not occur any setbacks and is able to step on the field and make the impact day one. So that's what I'm looking for. And I think that that's exactly what the Texans are looking for too. So um, I definitely think that they're handling it right and, and doing what they need to, but when it comes to the Texans, like nobody has a real pulse. So like we'll never know until he, we see that he's active one game. That's just kind of the way it works. A uh, quick question for you guys, just, you know, going back some of the questions that folks have looked at, you know, I think Le'Veon Bell, you know, is Twitter that maybe the Texans may be interested in him, you know, next season he may land on, but do you guys envision as Foreman as being a, a potential, if he comes back healthy next season as a RB1? I'll let John handle that. I, I I think that he has shown the potential of an RB1. Um, I don't think you ever enter the season with a player that had 
the injury that he had with just saying, yeah, he's going to come back our RB1. You need to have a security blanket in case that does that plan does not work. But I wouldn't hate the Texans for for taking that risk and and hoping that Deontay is our RB1. John, what are your thoughts? I'm honestly not sure, to tell you the truth. Um, when Before he got hurt, he looked like a very good 1A or 1B. Somebody that he needed to be paired with with another complimentary back. You know, what we were kind of hoping Tyler Irvin would be. And I still think that that's probably the long-term plan, but it kind of just depends on how he comes back from injury. We really just don't know. If he comes back, the great thing about him being a size-speed freak is that he doesn't come back with that same speed that he used to have. He still has the size. He can still bulk up and have a career similar to like a LeGarrette Bolt. Uh, blind where he would definitely need a complimentary back to be back there with them. And we won't have a true bell cow, but if he comes back all the way, maybe Um, there's rumors that he could catch. We just never really get to see running backs catch in Houston. So it may not even matter. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, he did have, that's where I see him helping just because I I'm a UT fan. So uh, a season ticket holder for many years. Don't take me, uh, Aggie fans out there. Um, you know, he did have six or seven for like 83 yards or something like that last year. That's where I see him helping the most. Um, and again, I think that's some place that, along with the tight ends, where hopefully Bob um, integrates that more in the game plan. Because I think that's DW4's best friend going forward. And I think that's what's been really missing from the offense the first half of the season. Yeah, I, I uh, to echo your sentiment, um, I, I, I mean, we saw how dynamic he actually was uh, catching the ball last year. And uh, I, I think that I think he can do it all, to be honest with you. I, I just think that we need to get him acclimated to the offense and get him get him up to speed and then kind of see what we have. So if it's just a week 17 game and, and that's what we see from him, then, you know, oh, well, but I, I I'd, I just would rather be cautious um, when it comes to this. So um, I have a, I have another segment that I actually didn't put on the uh, agenda. And so I'll get your guys' thoughts. L- let me give you guys mine first. So we're, we're enter we're at the halfway point of the season. We're coming off of a bye. Uh, some of you have already heard my thoughts on this, but I'll let you guys go first and then I'll finish off. But uh, John, what are your expectations for the Texans moving forward for the last half of the season. And, and and you can get as specific as you want, um, or you can be as high level as you want, but what is it that you're excited about for the second half? And and what is it that you expect to happen uh, during the second half of the season? Well, typically we always play better coming out of the bye. If that trend continues, then we actually really, it's not, I mean, who would have thought that this is even in, within the realm of possibility, but we could actually be chasing a first round bye in the playoffs. Now that's again, like everything still has to break, right? We still have to, ha- we still have to have a lot of luck on our side, even if we come out and play better than we did prior to the bye. But who would have thought we'd be, be in this position. So that's pretty exciting. There's the way the schedule is kind of opening up. There's no one that I do not think we cannot beat from here on out. So that's exciting. We still haven't really seen our offense really kicking into gear. Um, I mean, honestly, the offense has changed a lot from last year. It is not as scripted as it was last year. 
but I still have faith in uh, Bill O'Brien that when he needs to script a game together, that he'll be capable of doing that. So I have pretty high expectations. I mean, I'm going to be a realistic Houston fan. Do I going to guard my heart, so to say, that we still maybe get crashed? But it we have a lot of potential to kind of finish the season out on a kind of a high note, especially seeing as I didn't think it would be until next year where we really took that big leap. Brad, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, going forward for the season? You know how we kind of discussed that it was the perfect time for the bye week. You know, I think the stars are kind of aligning for the remaining schedule as well. Um, you know, I just did a quick math before before we came online, and like uh, you know, the, our opponents' combined record right now is twenty eight thirty six and one, I believe, um, which isn't great at all. Um, and that's a six and three Washington team, which looks pretty darn shaky as a six and three Washington team. Um, you know, so I, I have high hopes, you know, a 12 and four, I think is a little optimistic, but 11 and five, I think is, uh, is easily atta- obtainable. I think, you know, just down the stretch, we do have the three, um, division rivals at home. Um, but I, I, you know, with luck and Tennessee, both pushing right now, uh, luck in Indianapolis, that is, uh, both pushing right now. I, I think maybe one of those is a toss up. And then, you know, uh, at Philadelphia is going to be tough just because it's late in the year, um, you know, even though they are beatable right now. You know, truthfully, they could win every one of these games. They can go four and three. Uh, it's just it's just kind of, a you know, I I would not be surprised if they went 12 and four, uh, but I'm going to keep reservations to like 11 and five. And the fact that they're even a conversation for a first round bye is just amazing. Uh, and it's awesome that uh, just a testament to what they've done. Yeah, so I'm going to take it a little bit of a step further. Um, My expectations for the Texans moving forward, as far as a record goes, the only game that scares me on the remaining on the remainder of the schedule would be the Indianapolis Colts. Um, They're getting it right at the right time. Um, I know there's a lot of people that are on the Titans bandwagon, uh, but in this league, consistency is key for you to be considered a contender or a legitimate team. And their inconsistencies have been all over the place all season. Uh, we'll get more into that from one of our questions. But um, I think this is where we take off on offense. I think this is where – I think the rest of the season is where we start to see exactly what we saw last year um, when Deshaun entered as the starting quarterback. And I expect us to see the offense putting up monstrous numbers and I expect the tight ends to really be a focal point of the offense which is a missing piece last year I know a lot of people when I talk to them and I say that the you know the offense is going to pick up where they left off last year before Deshaun got hurt a lot of people will say well you know you don't have Will Fuller Um, and you know my counter argument to that is no we don't have Will Fuller but we do have two young tight ends that we didn't have last year that are making an impact very early while the offense is struggling and I think that we're going to continue to see that plus we're going to have the addition of Kiki Uh, hopefully he stays healthy Um, and I think Demarius Thomas is going to be a big part of this offense I I think that DT can do some things that people are not giving him credit for and I, I, I honestly expect this offense to be fucking explosive moving forward. Now, the defense is exactly what we were expecting it to be. We've had to come, uh, you know, uh, overcome some of the injuries. Uh, every team's dealing with it, but we've tend to sh- show in the past that we can do that on a regular basis on defense. And I expect the defense with the addition of Colvin Cunningham, 
um, Jonathan Joseph, and then hopefully, you know, Dylan Cole. I expect this defense to get to where we thought it was going to be, John, when this before the season started, where we talked about this team being one of those scary, scary elite defensive teams. I think when you pair those two together, you know, a lot of people are writing off our schedule, you know, based on our record, showing, who, talking about who we've played, what, you know, how we've barely won. Um, in this league, if you can get into the playoffs, nobody's looking back at how you got to the playoffs. Everybody's looking at what you can do in the playoffs. And when you get into the playoffs, you have a chance. You know, if that was the case, then everybody would look at the New York Giants and take, you know, not count their Super Bowl if the regular season truly mattered or both their Super Bowls and plenty of other teams. So it's about making it to the the playoffs and we're going to make it to the playoffs. My only concern is the Colts. And like I said, we'll get to that because that's one of the shorter questions. John, what's going on? So the way you're going, it sounds like the only game that you're truly concerned about is the Chiefs game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I'm not even actually worried about the Chiefs game. Uh, one of the main reasons why I watched the Chiefs game, and I watched it again uh, late last night. Uh, look, yes, the Chiefs are very dynamic, and there's a lot to their offense. And you take away one player, another player's popping up. It's kind of like that whack-a-mole game at Chuck E. Cheese. You hit one, and then another one pops up, and you hit one, and another one pops up. They have so many weapons, and they can do it in all sorts of ways. But the one thing that I saw yesterday was Mahomes gets very uncomfortable when he's under pressure. And Chandler Jones was was just destroying that offensive line and making his presence known. And I think that as we continue to go along, this is just optimistic, optimistic young Ari Gold right now. So you guys got me totally in my optimistic uh, bag because I am reaching in there fully. I'm not thinking as a Houston fan. I'm thinking as just somebody who wants to see good football. But I think that this team has the potential to truly be the, I think, I think we can go to the AFC championship. I, I, I think the chiefs will give us a good run for our money, but our defense compared to their defense is uh, completely opposite. We can play on both sides of the ball. And if DW four and the offense gets back to what they were uh, showing last season, mixed with this defense, I think that there's a good chance that this team becomes something special. What's going on, Brad? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Basically, you know, the Chiefs offense is dynamic. We can't argue with that. They have playmakers at literally every skill position, you know. Um, but I think w I actually dove into Mahomes' numbers a little bit more and just found that his receivers have so many yards after catch. Um they have four receivers with over 200 yards after catch, and Kelsey has over 300. Uh, while DW, you know, DW four has like six or 700 yards fewer after catch the Texans as a whole than they do, and I think that's just they have playmakers, right? Um, and but I think you can scheme against those too. I think Kelsey is always going to be any matchup with them. Kelsey is going to be the big thing. But where we just, you know, the Texans have a decent offense with a good to great defense right now. With the injuries, with people coming back healthy, they're going to have a great defense. And then you know the chiefs have literally the worst defense by yards given up and things like that. Uh, most statistically in the league. So, and to me, it, I think they've proven year in and year out in the NFL, that defense wins championships or, and good defenses generally beat good offenses. Um, so I, I, I'm not really afraid of the chiefs as, as much as anybody else. I think, you know, Andy Reid's probably Andy Reid. I would say is the best coach in the NFL. I know that's saying a lot, but he hasn't had Tom Brady. Um, so, 
Uh, I think he's always going to be a handful, but at the same time, I think the Chiefs are definitely vulnerable. Oh, I'm so happy you said that. Now we get to have another conversation. How the hell can you think that Andy Reid is a better coach than Bill Belichick? Whether he has Tom Brady or not, look at the quarterbacks that Andy Reid has had over his time. Donovan McNabb, Hall of Famer. Michael Vick. Uh, Nick Foles was really freaking good. Alex Smith. Uh, Now Patrick Mahomes. The difference between Belichick and Andy Reid are crucial moment coaching like when it comes to the playoffs and it comes to time management and it comes to not getting in your own head bill belichick is hands down a better play a better coach and the postseason tells you everything you want from a coach uh, i'm really surprised to, i've never heard anybody say andy Reid is the best coach in the in the nfl and I, I don't say like not the best coach of all time. I do agree that it is everything for the coach, right? Um, maybe I should have said more the best offensive mind. Um, and I think, but I think if Andy Reid was given Tom Brady, he may have been able to go on a run himself. But I mean, that's that's just playing what us. We can play what us all day. Obviously, I, the greatest coach of all time is Bill Belichick. I don't think there's really any argument of that, but. You know, I think Andy Reid isn't given the respect that I think he deserves. Um, and I know he's had great tools, but he hasn't had someone for 15, 16 years. Um, you know, but where Belichick does set himself apart is he keeps a clean house. He keeps everything in order. He makes sure everybody's on the same page. Um, and he 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 makes the pieces he's given fit. But he's also had greatest quarterback of all time at the same time. So uh, we can debate that all day long, you know, but at the end of the day, Belichick's clearly the GOAT when it comes to coaching, but I just have a ton of respect for Andy Reid. I have a ton of respect for Andy Reid, too. I think he's a a hell of a coach. Um, John, it looks like you want to chime in here. Well, I'm just going to add, it's like, why are you taking um, points away from Belichick for having Brady? He found Brady. The reason he found Brady is a philosophy that the Patriots have of going after high five-star recruits that didn't get a lot of playing time in college and signing them on the cheap, and that's how he found Brady. Um, a lot of other coaches don't really do that or general manager. Yeah. I guess one area I'm struggling right now is at, I think we saw yesterday, it's a good conversation because, you know, whenever Brady landed on his face and was short on a third down by one yard, um, at what point are they going to cut ties with Brady? And at what point do you guys think he's a detriment to the team? Um, you know, I, I know Robert Kraft has a lot to say in that and that's not all Belichick. Um, you know, but I think that's an interesting conversation. Well, let me ask you this. How many Super Bowls would Donovan McNabb win on the New England Patriots over how many he won in Philadelphia? Well, I mean, I think that's it's easy to say. Again, I'm not going to argue that Bill Belichick's the best coach. Maybe I said the I was going to say the best offensive coach, like offensive mindly offensive mind. I think Andy Reid's the best coach in the NFL. But, you know, like you said, results matter. You know, Super Bowls, he's got the rings. Uh, there's no real denying that. And there's no denying that he found a gym uh, and a sixth round pick or the, you know, was he a was the seventh round even there back then, but the Mr. Irrelevant, you know, with Tom Brady. So, you know, obviously that goat plays part into who, into who he is as a coach too. Yeah. I think that, uh, and I get what you're saying. I, I totally agree. I think Andy Reid is underappreciated in the NFL. I think he's a great offensive mind. I think uh, he is a amazing regular season coach, um, but come playoff time, he tends to shrink up a little bit. And I think given kind of what to echo what John was saying, you know, when you are able to find players that deep and turn them into the players that the player that we're seeing now, um, it, it definitely speaks way more to what 
Bill Belichick has done. And then when you look at the offense, like you, we're talking about Andy Reid being a great offensive mind, but look at the players he's had, Terrell Owens, Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey always had a good offensive line. And then you look at, you look at Bill or Bill O'Brien shit. I wish uh, Bill Belichick. And it's like white guys out of Mississippi and white guys out of Texas tech and names that we've never heard. And they become roles and these players on this team that become staples. And then you look at the running back position and it's like every year turning over brand new running backs and still getting the same exact uh, the same exact play that they would have gotten the year prior. Um, I, I just find what Bill Belichick has done over in New England, and now it's turned into a New England podcast. But uh, I, I just think that a lot of credit has to go to Bill for the way he develops players, the way he's able to move off of um, the old players, you know, a year or two prior to them hitting the bottom and getting something back for them, and then just continuing this offense to run at a level that nobody else has seen in the history of sports so i mean i know this has turned into a Patriots podcast but it's really one of those things we're going to face either the patriots or the chiefs in the in the playoffs i think and so that's that's the main reason i've discussed this who would you rather face of the two in the afc championship game i'd rather face kansas city because i believe that andy Reid would choke over bill belichick scheming to a win um we've had the patriots you know, had we had a quarterback, uh, the Brock Osweiler year, I believe that we would have maybe won that game. But when it comes to schemes and and game plans, I would I am more scared to face the Patriots just because of Belichick instead of the weapons on Kansas City. John, what are your thoughts? I'm pretty much in an agreement. I think that if we play the Chiefs, it turns into a shootout, but we'll be able to get enough key defensive plays. We play the Patriots. Um, it's more likely that Bill O'Brien chokes because, like you said before, Belichick is in Bill O'Brien's head. He, he is zero and five against him. So I mean, that, that is a valid. Even though it was Hoyer and three of those are Hoyer and uh, you know the the lobster, it's still it's still zero and five. Zero and five is zero and five. Yeah, I think you know it's funny that narrative. I saw that on Twitter. Cody Stutes, total fucking douchebag. Like, yeah, okay. Bill O'Brien, five games against the Patriots, five losses. Matt Patricia, one game against the Patriots, one win. Mike Vrabel, (laughs) one win. Yeah, okay, they were both at home. They did not play at Gillette Stadium, and neither team played them against, uh, against the Patriots when they had Rob Gronkowski, which has shown statistically he is a complete, that is a completely different team uh, with Rob Gronkowski and playing at Gillette Stadium year in and year out. So I, I, I'm so tired of that narrative. And it's not about being a Bill O'Brien fucking uh, believer or whatever it would be. It's just a dumb stat. Like, go compare those to the other 31 coaches in the league. You know, how many times has Mike Tomlin beat uh, New England at New England? Probably none. Like, it, it's just a dumb statistic. And honestly, we spent way too much time talking about the Patriots. So we're going to move on. But I, I just, uh, uh, I just, I hate, I hate dumb Twitter. It's, it's so annoying. Uh, let's get to these, uh, these questions from the discord and from Twitter. Uh, there are some pretty good ones. Um, my boy, Nacho day bro today asking, okay, who is it you're worrying about 
the most in the division. The Colts are starting to look like the old Colts again, and the Titans are starting to force Gump their way back into the conversation, and the Jags could potentially pull things together. Uh, John, what are your thoughts? I mean, what team are you most scared of in the division? I'm honestly most afraid of the Titans. I know y'all think that I'm a little bit off base on this, but the Colts, the Colts are turning into one of the better offensive lines in the league and they still have Andrew Luck. But beyond that, they really don't have a lot of talent. The Jags have Blake Bortles. So they, yeah, they're going to find some way to screw it up. But the Titans, the Titans, they're the team that has always underperformed. But they've had a higher talent level than they've ever than they typically show. They usually go out there and perform below their talent level. And right now, they actually scare me. Um, with Mariota healthy again, he he's actually not the worst quarterback in the league. He has been described as probably the most athletic, if not the fastest in the league. And he does have moments where he ha- he does have an accurate arm. He just has no pocket presence and he'll run himself into his own sacks and he tends to get hurt. But when he gets hot, he can be annoying as hell. And then that defense, that defense has been pretty good. I think at one point last week, they, or before the, uh, the game started this week, they were the number one in the NFL scoring this year. And it's part of it's because they keep playing these grind them out games, but they're not an elite level defense, but they're, they're pretty good. And if they just get hot, I think that they could be a bigger headache than anybody else. All right, Brad, who are your, who's your, who are you most scared of? Yeah, I think, you know, I th- I'm just, I'm always going to go with the quarterback. You know, Andrew Luck can win games by himself. Um, we've seen it. Um, you know, he's not to Peyton levels yet, but he's got the ability to do it. He does not have the better talent. You know, I think the most, the more talented team is the Titans. Uh, but I think cause you mentioned it earlier, consistency is key. And Mariota just hasn't shown that he can be, he can be consistent. And I think he's also kind of like Mahomes, maybe. He's also a guy that's a completely different passer whenever he's pressured. And we do know the Texans can pressure him and will pressure him. And Romeo is going to throw everything he can at him, especially if we have all of our, our defensive players back there. Um, so in that regard, you know, I think I, it, it really is a toss up because one's more athletic. You know, one team's more athletic and has the better talent. And one team has the better quarterback. Um, but, you know, I think the Colts is just always going to be um, – with luck is there's always going to be, a, it's just going to be a dog fight because he just doesn't give up. Yeah. I actually, um, I, I disagree with the Titans and I, John, I think part of why you think this is because your dad is always talking to you about the Titans. I think if your dad never talked to you about the Titans ever, I think you'd be a little bit more on my side, but the Colts for me are the scary team. A lot of it has to do with Andrew luck, but honestly the, the bigger part for me is, is Frank Reck. Um, I think he's a better head coach than Mike Vrabel. I think that he is putting together a very solid team. I think he knows how to utilize the players that he has. I mean, look at what they're doing with Eric Ebron. I mean, most people would have wrote him off as a as a first-round bust, and now he's looking like the tight end that everybody expected him to be. I think that the Colts are truly the dynamic team that could potentially make a run, and if you look at their schedule – um, it's very favorable, and I uh, I'm a little worried about what the Colts can put together. I think Andrew Luck obviously is I, honestly I hate to say this because God I'm going to get blasted on Twitter, but 
Andrew Luck's the best quarterback in the division right now. Um, he's he's better than Deshaun Watson right now. Um, and, you know, a lot of that has to do with our offensive woes and our offensive line. But I think that I think that the that Andrew Luck is is just good enough to win you games. So I definitely I would definitely say that the Colts are the scariest team. So I think that's a really good question, Nacho. Um, and I, I appreciate it. All right. Og Duck Scout today. He's got a little bit of, he's got a couple in here, so we'll have to break this down. Do we extend Will Fuller? And if so, how much is he making a year? Uh, I would say that this is a little premature um, because we have him for next season. And then after that, we'll have the the fifth year option. So, you know, I, I don't know if we'll spend too much time on that question just because I think that we need to see uh, how he bounces back from the ACL and we have plenty of time to do that. So I think, I think that one's going to be interesting as it moves forward. Uh, do we have any concerns about Dylan's Cole, Dylan Cole's longevity? Uh, John, I'll let you take that one. Do you have any concerns over Dylan Cole's longevity? Of course we do. I mean, he's a football player. We have concerns about all of their longevity. He's undersized for a linebacker. He was a spark freak, but the reason that he went undrafted is he was small. So, yeah, I mean, I have concerns about it, but at the same time, I think he's a player and it's just one of those things that you kind of have to live with. It's the same as like with Clowney or Fuller or even JJ at this point. You just hope that they get healthy. If they're healthy, then we have a crazy talented team. And when they are hurt, they're not all hurt at the same time again. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, The next question is a good question. Uh, Do we think that Demarius Thomas is is good enough to be a number two wide receiver and if so do we bring him back for 14 on his 14 million dollar contract next year uh brad i'll let you take that one uh you know i think the jury is going to be still out right i think we're gonna we have you know um we have seven weeks plus the playoffs to figure that out um i think he's definitely has the body and size to do it Uh, i think he has the will and mindset to do it it's just a matter of whether he's got he has the uh the energy to do it right to, to operate at a, a full level. You know, he's not a young man anymore. Uh, but I think he certainly has the ability to do so. Uh, but it, it also is kind of, are we going to scheme him into the offense or was he more just a body to, uh, you know, a big size body to fill that role right now? Um, you know, as we've touched base on, you know, the tight ends, I think are the future for this offense um, to, to augment fuller and, um, and nuke. Uh, but I think there's definitely space for Thomas, but I, you know, I think it's going to be really tough with all the big contracts we have coming up to sign him for 14 million. But if he, you know, if he gets us deep into the playoffs and has some huge plays, I mean, the, who knows, uh, we do have uh, cap space, but um, 14 million is just a lot to pay for a receiver at his age. Uh, whenever there may be cheaper options out there. Yeah. I think uh, there's a lot of variables that go into the Demarius Thomas decision. I think um, I definitely think that, it's going to all be dependent on how and what we see moving forward. If, if Demarius comes in and just becomes this dependable number two and is just making catches and, and adding yards and we're using them in the red zone and his, his route running continues to improve in, in the manner that it are, I mean, it's already probably top tier to be honest with you, as far as this route running. Um, I, I definitely could see a, I could see us potentially bringing him back, whether it be 14 million or maybe a restructured deal. Um, but it all depends on the role that Bill O'Brien sees for him and Will Fuller. Unfortunately, with Will Fuller as ACL, we don't know truly when he'll be back. I know a lot of people think that he'll be back by training camp, but I think you're putting a lot on Will Fuller if that's the case. 
I'd rather them take it slow and let him come back and get to be the receiver that he was. And if that's what happens, then I do think that Demarius Thomas will be here. John, it looks like you want to chime in. I was just going to say there's no way Demarius Thomas is next is back next year for 14 million. I hope that he plays well enough that we bring him back, but it won't be for 14 million. Yeah, I think I think it all depends. I I can't say like without a shadow of a doubt that that's not the case just because I think that I'm saying it right now, there is no way he's back next year for 14 million. You can hold me to it. There's no way. And I'm going to continue to stay, say that I I still think that there's a lot of variables and things that can happen. Uh, we don't know what the cap space looks like. You know, you're one of those people that believes that if you have money, there's no reason to keep it if you're not going to spend it. So if we have the money there and there's no reason to worry about a restructure and it's not going to impact our cap and signing Clowney, Matthew Jack- Jackson and DJ Reader and then potentially, you know, whoever else it may be in the free agency pool that we're looking at, then I think there is a chance that he's back at 14 million. Uh, for all we know, D-Hop may get hurt. Uh, there's just so many unknown variables, and I'm not wishing that on D-Hop, but I'm just saying that anything can happen. So I, th- I think that for us to say no, there's no way, is uh, is pretty impossible. Um, all right, let's get to uh, – this was a good question by Nacho Day, bro, today too. Was oh, Is the O-line better off with Mant starting? Um he says he swears he saw D-Hop hand him the ball twice to spike it after touchdowns in the Miami game. John, are we better off with Greg Mance starting at, at right guard? You know, I had those same thoughts. I think I even brought it up during the game where it just looked like our offense offensive line looked a little bit better. He's not, you know what? I actually, I'm going to go, I think that they really are better with him. Uh, use Calamente as a, uh, it's kind of, like a swing guard, um, just have him bounce back and forth, uh, spell some people because somebody always seems to get hurt or get a little bit banged up. But yeah, I would say when Mance was out there, they looked better. Yeah, I would agree. I think, I think the biggest thing that comes with the offensive line and John, we talked about it a lot during the off season. And then the first couple of weeks is consistency with players playing on the offensive line and building that camaraderie and the communication and just knowing where everybody's going to be. And I think, you at this point in the season, you'd rather have a consistent player be there that you know is going to be there week in, week out. Uh, I like Senio Calamente. I thought he was a very good signing, definitely a budget signing, and he and he's, he was playing over, above his contract. Um, but I think right now, with where we're at and and what we need to do moving forward, I would play Greg Mance over uh, Senio Calamente, and yeah, I would use him as like a swing guard. So I think it's a very good question. Uh, this question by Reg TX today. I I don't like it, but I'm going to go with it anyways. And he has two. Uh, Brad, I'll go to you first. Would you sign slash trade for Bell this offseason? That's a tough one. You know, I think we all we've all seen that it's kind of hit or miss whenever you bring in you. You know, we bring in uh, running backs. Uh, it's, it's a really tough question because I think Bell is a real talent. So, you know, some people are saying, you know, just by the success they're having without him, that, uh, it may be the scheme. Uh, but I think he'd be, he's going to be great wherever he goes, but that's a, it's a huge investment for kind of like an unknown of how he'll fit in. And again, that goes back to who do we have coming back and is foreman healthy, um, and to where he needs to be. I, I, I think, you know, he's an all pro type running back. If you can get him, um, and you have the cap space to do it. I don't think it's going to hurt your team. 
Um, but it, it, there is also no guarantee that he's going to perform at the level he has performed in Pittsburgh when he's brought into this new team. So, uh, you know, I think it, it's definitely one I don't think anybody's going to blame you to take a flyer on. Um, and is it really a flyer because it's Le'Veon Bell? So um, I, I would probably, if we had the cap space to do it, and we can sign all the people we think are really important to the team to go for it. John, I know this is uh, this is an interesting question for you because I know you love Le'Veon Bell, but I also know you are one to antics and desire to play and things like that. So, John, what do you think? No, we don't go after him. Um, I think he would be a great fit. Um, I've said it even before that he's the one player that if we had traded for could completely change the face of our offense. John, it was would you, it was would you not will we would would I uh, probably not. I'm not of the camp where I think that running backs don't matter. I do think running backs matter, but I do think that would probably be better off going with a committee than investing the amount of money that it takes into Le'Veon Bell when he's also already proven the point that he may just decide that he's done one day. And that's something else that you have to take into effect or, or you d- have to take in as a consideration when you, when you sign somebody like him. Yeah, he's a phenomenal talent, but he is going to take up a huge chunk. He's going to take up proportionally more so more of the salary cap than any other running back in the league. That's what he's looking for, and that's probably what he's going to get. And then you still have that chance where he's just like, eh, I don't want to play. Yep. No, I agree with you. I think that's probably the biggest concern for me with Le'Veon Bell. And and to be honest, like you're seeing teams throughout like each off season, find a running back in the later rounds and they're making an impact year one. Um, I just don't see the reason to sign Le'Veon Bell and, and add him to this team. Um, he, he also asked another question and this one's going to be, I think hard for a lot of us to answer. And it, it's, the question is, it's even hard for me to read. <laughs> Who would you replace O'Brien with realistically? So basically stating, if we were to replace Bill O'Brien, who would you replace him with? And I think this is probably stemming from the John Harbaugh. Uh, they're going to be mutually parting ways at the end of the season uh, with the Ravens. Um, a lot of people love O'Brien, uh, or love Harbaugh. I love Harbaugh. I think he's a hell of a coach. Um, John, what are your thoughts on if you were to replace Bill O'Brien, who would you replace him with? Honestly, I I don't know at this time. Um, It kind of depends on a a lot of factors. I believe that we would have to go with an offensive-minded coach, just the way that the NFL is going. The first name that pops up to my mind is is, uh, John Delafino, the uh, former quarterback. DeFilippo. DeFilippo, there we go. with the Eagles and he's now with the Vikings, correct? He seems to be pretty creative as an offensive mind. I like, I do like Lincoln Riley, but going from college to the NFL with no NFL experience is always scary. I mean, I just, honestly, I don't know. I really don't know who I'd realistically take over Bill O'Brien. And I think that unfortunately the way our franchise is set up that I would rather take another year or two with Bill O'Brien because they're going to go with a very conservative hire. And I've got a feeling that, that this could turn out very, very badly if we go for somebody else. Yeah, so I, I, I'm i going to chime in on this. Obviously, everybody knows how much I I like Bill O'Brien. But I think, again, I think you have to go with an offensive-minded coach. You have a generational quarterback, hopefully. Um, we, see the, we see the signs that are there. I think you just back the largest Brinks truck you can get up full of money to uh, Josh McDaniel's house. 
Um, I know we all think he's in waiting in New England, but I think it's going to be interesting over the next couple of years if Tom Brady really does want to stick around. If, you know, and Robert Kraft loves Tom Brady, maybe he'll make that happen. And if McDaniels just gets tired of it and, and goes on to a place where he can actually be, uh, you know, I think if you give him the right situation and give him the keys of the kingdom, he may he may be up for that. It, it, obviously, it's going to be a long shot because uh, everybody kind of thinks he's going to he's going to replace Belichick at some point. But uh, that would be my hope. Um, you know, Harbaugh, either one of the Harbaugh's at this point wouldn't be a terrible uh, alternative either. Yeah, I can't get on the Josh McDaniels train anymore. I'm off that train. If you're a Patriots coach, just move on. We've already we're going through this with Bill, and I'm willing and I'm patient with Bill. I like Bill, but I can't do the whole Josh, Josh McDaniels thing anymore. I just I don't buy into him. All right, look, a couple more. Uh, I'll take this one solo because I don't know if it relates to either one of you, uh, but I think it's specific for, for me, anyways. August or Og Duck Scout today, Joiner Lucas or logic and that is a very very good question because i actually like both uh logic if i'm looking to have a if i'm listening to hip-hop and i'm i'm in that like meaningful message uh deep bars uh i'm gonna go towards the logic and then if i'm looking for like delivery and fast-paced rhyming and uh, creative bars in the sense of like Joyner Lucas, then I'm going to go Joyner Lucas. But if I had to just pick one artist to pick, uh, it would be Joyner Lucas because I think Joyner Lucas has, um, I think he's crazy talented. And I don't even think we've seen the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Joyner Lucas. And in case you're looking for a new artist to listen to, you should check out JID in case you're not on that train yet. He dropped a album called The Never Story uh, two years ago, February of 2016, he signed to Dreamville under J. Cole, and he is an amazing rapper. If you like Jordan Lucas or Logic, you'll love J.I.D., and he just dropped a song with J. Cole, featuring J. Cole, called Off These. It's like, I play it like five times a day. It's amazing, and his next album comes out uh, November 26th, so it's definitely something you should check out. All right, uh, Genetizer asked, um, why are the linebackers underperforming? And John, I think this is right up your alley. Why are the linebackers underperforming, John? Injuries. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's it, and I hate to like that was a very Pat stat answer, right? Like you even sounded like Pat when you answered that injuries. Uh, but unfortunately, it's it is very uh, it's very obvious. I mean, the lack of Cunningham um, and the lack of Dylan Cole. And BMAC pretty much having to do everything with Brian Peters pretty much just sucking at what he does. I mean, he's an okay linebacker, but I mean, if he was really more of a security blanket without Zach and Cole there, like he had to play in a pinch. But uh, Brad, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's injuries. You know, Cunningham and Cole are are who we thought we would be filling that role. Um, you know, and they both have suffered injuries this year. Uh, luckily, Cunningham's was not so serious, and he'll be back. It looks like this week. Um, you know, I was just all, I want to give praise to to BMAC. You know, he's been playing out of position. He's been playing in coverage. It's not his strong suit, and he's been doing the best he can. Luckily, you know, our our secondary has been stepping up to fill that void. Uh, but it's going to be crucial that we have Cole and or Cunningham down the stretch because I think people know that right now the weakness is the tight ends, uh, us covering tight ends, and so we need those guys there to uh, to slow that game down. And again, it's one of those things if we play if we play Kelsey or Gronk, um, we're going to need Cunningham and Cole. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of the, uh, you you hit it on the head. I mean, that's pretty much exactly why um, when BMAC is having to do everything, 
uh, and including covering linebackers and running backs. It's just not his strong suit and you're wearing him down and he's playing a lot more in a lot of different areas and has a lot more responsibility. And when you have Zach out there and you have Cole out there, you're just able to have fresh, you know, fresh bodies that, that can keep it going. And um, I think that's why we're seeing it right now. I still think BMAC is a top five linebacker in this league. I think it's just been one of those years. Uh, and if we can get Cole back and Cunningham back, I think, I think you'll start to see the linebackers perform at the level that we expected because that was the strongest group coming into the off and coming into the season that me and John felt and had the most trust in. So, all right, fellas. Wow. That was uh those are some great questions. I really appreciate it. You guys. Um, and if you guys ever want to throw hip hop or rap questions out there, I will take every single one of them. Um, it is just as big of a passion for me as it is uh, the Texans. So never hesitate to send those uh, my way as well. Uh, John, Brad, we have football this week. We play the Washington Redskins, who have never had a lead change in any game uh, this season. Uh, I, I know, John, you're not big into you know, uh, predicting, um, but I expect this to be a just, I think, from the beginning to end, I think we jump all over them, and I think that we, we, we run away with this game very early. Uh, John, what are, your, what are your thoughts on the game, since I know you're not going to give me a score and you're not going to give me your predictions, but what do you? What do you? What are your expectations for the game? I am excited to see Jungle Boy swag again. Is that it? That's all you're giving me is Jungle Boy swag. <laughs> you know, I, I miss Swearinger. I, I, I'm excited to see him. Yeah, you act like you knew him personally. Like, did his dog bite you too? <laughs> no, I mean, oh. I just, I just, <laughs> I just follow him at Carolina. No, I mean. We're going to know pretty quickly who's going to win the game, whoever scores first. So, yeah, I mean, why even bother watching after that? Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to come down to, I mean, they do have a solid, even though they gave up 4.2 yards this last week, they do have a pretty good run defense um, and they have a very strong red zone defense. But uh, I expect this to, I, I just, I truly expect this to be like a 42 to seven game. But that's, like I said, I'm in my truly optimistic Texans bag right now and I'm reaching all the way to the bottom. Brad, what are your thoughts on the game? Oh, man, I'm drinking a giant big gulp of Kool-Aid, baby. Um, you know, just because Bill O'Brien is great after the bye. Um, he's 3-1 and one after the bye, and his only loss was Seattle last year. Um, and generally after the bye, they're all road games. And so I just think he, with that much time to prepare against what is a pretty shaky 6-3 and three team, um, you know, that I think has gotten away with a lot of wins like us, like we have, um, you know, going to... DC is never easy because it's just a terrible field and terrible conditions. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like 31, 13. I'm thinking I, the, you know, the Redskins do have give up a few rushing yards, but they do give up again, the high per average rush. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking that they're going to try to run the ball early and I think they're going to have up to 150, 150 yards rushing and 250 yards passing. Cause they're going to run and then play action, run and play action. And so I think the tight ends are going to get involved and that's going to be the key. So I, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid as well, 31-13. All right. Well, I expect a domination, and that's what I expect the rest of the season. You better be listening, Bill O'Brien, uh, and meet my expectations. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. The other game on Sunday that I think uh, everybody that's listening is going to be keeping a close eye on is the Titans-Colts game. Um, I want the Colts to win because I – think that puts like a real dagger in Tennessee and then I think that it comes down to when we play the Colts but John 
if you had a preference for who to win, let's take the tie out because I know that's where you're going to go immediately. If if there's a team that you would prefer to win, who would it be, Titans or Colts? Man, that's not even fair. You, you can't. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can physically say I want the Colts to win a game. I, I'm not sure that I, I – like that was painful just talking about the hypothetical behind it. <laughs> but – where we're sitting, probably it would be better for you know. I just can't say it, dude. Why? Why are you gonna make me do that? <laughs> all right, all right. Go ahead, Brad. Who would you prefer to win, Colts or Titans? Uh, I don't really have a prefer to win, but I think you know we're playing. Uh, you're playing the, the numbers game right now, right? So the Titans are one game behind. So I'd rather they 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 lose. Um, and I think that you know it puts them both at five and five, and that puts us in a really good position going down the stretch. Uh, it's a home game for the Colts. Andrew Luck, you know, plays really well there. Um, you know, so I think it's going to be a, a close fought game like most of our AFC South, South games are. Uh, but, you know, I think the Colts pull it, pull it out in the end. Well, with that being said, when did the I mean, just when did the AFC South turn into the uh, AFC North? All these defensive grinding, ugly games. But then we play teams outside our division and usually do pretty well against them. Yeah, it's been a change this season. I think that there's just been a lot of new faces and new coaches and people getting acclimated to what the expectations are and where people want to be. But uh, yeah, it's definitely not been, not been pretty. Um, yeah. And if we're the new FC in North, who's the uh, new Browns? That's the Jags and it's the Jags all day, baby. Jags, glitter kitties, pull out the litter box and let the Jalen Ramsey go lift his leg over there in the corner. Cause that team is a dumpster fire and Jalen Ramsey is going to be a Houston Texan next year. He wants out. It's, it's time. Uh, and Nuke was liking um, tweets from uh, some of the guys in our Discord channel who were saying, come on down to H-Town, Jalen. So uh, Nuke's already trying to get him over here, I think. Well, the, the best part about Jalen is he shares the same exact agent that DW4 has. So there's uh, there's definitely some um, there's some similarities there. And uh, I, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. I, wouldn't, I don't know if it's next season, but uh, John's been saying it for a while that that's what he expects. So we will see. All right. Oh, he's actively trying to get cut. He's out there playing man where the rest of the defense is playing zone. Like, he's he is trying to piss somebody hey, off. Coughlin will cut him, too. That's the best part. He probably knows that. I, I bet I bet David, uh, his his agent, was like, yeah, just piss off the old white man, and I bet you he will, uh, he will cut you. He's done it in the past. So everybody remembers Coughlin and Michael Strahan. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. We'll see. All right. That's going to wrap up Texans Unfiltered this week. Uh, make sure that you go to our Twitter page, Houston FB Pod. Find us on Instagram at Houston FB Pod. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Just type in Texans Unfiltered. Uh, come to our Discord. Have conversation with us. Let's talk Texans. Let's talk everything else of NFL. And if we get enough people in there that want to talk rap, I'll, I'll create a channel specifically for rap, and we'll kick John and Brad out, and we can have – they can have their conversations about country music somewhere and we can have our, uh, what? Our com- I love our- rap. <laughs> Vanilla ice is my boy. Just kidding. Kid Cuddy for life. Kid Cuddy, huh? a little, a little shock there. All right. All right. Uh, all right. And, uh, you can come chat with us on our discord, go to our Twitter page. It's, it's right there. Uh, you can find it on Instagram too. And if you, you can't find it, just find a way to contact us and, and we'll get it to you, but it should be pretty much up there. Website, 
uh, is coming along and it's looking beautiful. We'll have that here pretty soon. And uh, with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold. I'm signing off for Texans Unfiltered this week. We're coming back next week, 7-3, and three, and we're looking extremely shiny. I'll catch you guys next week. But not the boys on Kirby so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city. Your Houston, Texas standing behind us. See, we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. But now we're focused and we're showing no fear. When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer. Deep steel, blue, rowdy red, all the liberty white. We came dressed up and ready to fight. We are the mighty Houston, Texas, and we don't play. So now I guess it's only one thing to say, baby. Can we tell them, 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 can we tell them